1950. Pete, Part One, original air date 25th of March 1999. Hello and welcome to Scuttercast number 50. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Andy. Hello. We're reviewing the episode Pete, Part One, after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. Lister and Rimmer are constantly getting into trouble. After playing a practical joke on Ackerman, they are forced to take part in an inmates versus the guards basketball game. This they win by putting erectile solution in the guards' drinks. Punishment for that is to peel potatoes for the next three weeks. To make this punishment pass by quicker, they steal a programmable virus to eat the potato skins. But the virus ends up eating their clothes and hair as well. Punishment for this is to spend three weeks in the hole. Here they meet Birdman, who has been in there for nine years and has only one friend, a sparrow named Pete. Meanwhile, Crichton, Cat, and Kachansky are sent aboard a derelict ship where they find a device which can change the time stream surrounding an object or person to make it move extremely slow or fast, and they decide to use it to make their prison sentences go by in a flash. On Red Dwarf, they freeze the crew and break Lister, Rimmer, and Birdman out of the hold. Unfortunately, Pete dies. Crichton tries to use the device to bring him back, but accidentally reverses the sparrow's evolution by several million years, turning Pete into a T-Rex. Thank you very much. Just before we start with the episode review, you've just got a few things to say, Anthony. Yeah, originally this was going to be a single episode uh, entitled Captain's Office. Okay. Um, written by Doug Naylor, uh, this first episode. The original idea was for Rimmer and Lister to be uh, constantly sent to the Captain's Office and finding themselves in more and more trouble as the episode goes on. Right. Um, now, the Time Wand idea came from a... It was a Series 7 idea from Paul Alexander. Okay. And originally he wanted to do a story about a group of time hackers who... Um, Basically, they steal some of Lister's life. Lister would would have woken up as a 70-year-old man, and then it would have been him trying to get back his years. Oh, okay. Um, now, Doug decided to introduce the time wand element and then uh, flesh it out to an actual two-parter. So he got... Um, it got Paul Alexander in, you know, it got him to write the second part. Doug wrote the first part. And then they fleshed it out with some of the cutscenes from Cassandra. Okay. The first scene starts, and you've got Rimmer and Lister being marched to Hollister's office. They're up for putting sodium pentothal in Ackerman's inhaler, which is basically a truth serum. They did a really good job of making Ackerman's glass eye look real, though, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the first thing I look for that when I've seen him. Yeah. I mean, they were suggesting that they did it because Hackman was, well, a bit nasty to them. Um, then there's a flashback to day one, and you can basically see Ackerman beating up the cat um, just because he's talking. Yeah, well, this is one of the cutscenes from Cassandra. Right, okay. Ah. Well, I did notice either when Ackerman's walking down the stairs, the guard behind him has got his eyes closed. Okay. Whereas a really bad squint, he just stood there with his eyes closed. Maybe he was tired. <laughs> Look like he actually does like he's asleep. But. Well, it'll be like the um, the other guard in. Um, oh, was it back in the red? The one that was just looking at the floor and Crichton's butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get for twelve good an hour. <laughs> yeah. So as punishment for that, they have to play basketball against Ackman's team. I mean, I, I love this first. I really do enjoy this first scene. Love this opening scene, with the exception of the permission to snigger, sir. Line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 
that one line grates on me, but as a, as a whole, this scene it really did crack me up. <laughs> like this one. Yeah, yeah. The next scene starts, and basically they're playing basketball, and they're absolutely getting the butts kicked. Well, yeah, if you look at Crichton, he's got his, um, what is essentially his, his showering outfit, his naked outfit. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Crichty TV, and he's got that underneath his basketball shirt. Yeah. Which, again, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they seem to use it quite a lot in this series, the, don't the they? Men, I mean, I... My first assumption seeing it is, um, oh, it must be cooler and easier to fit for uh, Robert Llewellyn. But he says on the commentary that it is no cooler. It's it's just as awkward as the normal outfits. So, right, uh, right, okay. Yeah, it's obviously, it wouldn't look right with armour underneath, so they've gone for a flesh tone underneath the basketball shirt. Yeah, fair enough. They've, um, well, when I see they've, Rimmer and Lister have put Boeing in the guard's halftime water. And from the description, it sounds like Viagra. Yeah. I mean, Lister seems to be able to get anything out of the medical department. On yeah. This episode. <laughs> you know, he's got the virility drug, you know, that he's got here. And there's the truth serum that he used in Ackerman's inhaler. Yeah. And it's it's a surprise that he's not got some of the heavier inmates putting the squeeze on him to get hold of... Uh, Decent uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> stuff in the medical department. Yeah. What also made me laugh in the commentary. Chloe asked if they were walking that way because they were because it hurt. Made me chuckle. Covering themselves up, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have noticed though that in this last series, it's yeah. been very sexual natured, hasn't it? It's, it's, yeah, because I guess you had I mean. the crate TV, the shower scenes, and you, I guess you had Danny. Um, oh, I should say the cat trying to pull the. Um, um, I can't remember her. The flight control. Yeah. Flight control. And that kind of, yeah, so I guess so. Love serum and now this. It's, uh, yeah, I guess so. Sort of change, it's changed tone a little bit, I, I thought. But I guess that, I guess that's Dan Emmett that can do now they've got more of a crew. I guess if you've got that with just four people, it's just going to get a bit messy. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the favourite bit here comes when, uh, Hollister's watching the game, the second half of the game, and you see him take a sip of this, uh, laced halftime juice that they were drinking that's that's been spiked with this Viagra type drug. Yeah. And <laughs> it's the way he just inches down off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, because the guards are covering their private parts, um they run ring around them literally and uh they win. One of the things I picked up on the uh IMDB as well, um Yeah. I don't know if it's in this scene or later on in the episode, but one of the Canaries is played by an actor called Mark Jones. Okay. And um, he's got a Star Wars tie-in because he played Commander Nemet, one of the Imperial officers in okay. The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, he also, uh, in 1976, he played uh, Arnold Keeler and a crinoid in the Doctor Who story, The Seeds of Doom. Okay. Um, not a story I'm familiar with, so I'm, it's, that's one I'll get to eventually. Right. Um, as well as him, there's also, uh, I noticed, there's a third technician, Wallace, who's played by Craig Dawson, who was 
an uncredited zombie police officer in George Romero's latest zombie movie, Survival of the Dead. Uh, okay. Um, makes me laugh because I, I go over these IMDb listings and virtually every single one of them has got a long list of stuff you've never heard of, uncredited, uncredited, uncredited. Yeah. Or it's literally Red Dwarf and one other show. Yeah. Um, so I, I get excited when I see <laughs> I mean, I've got no need to tell you about the uh, Survival of the Dead um, zombie police officer uncredited actor, but uh, yeah, I get excited when I see a film <laughs> I recognise. <laughs> Brilliant. The next scene starts and Rimmer and Listery marched again. This is where Captain Hollerister explains that it took seven hours for the effects to wear off. <laughs> yeah. And all I can say is that must have been a serious case of blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I quite like to hear how Lister basically stood up and he, he took the entire rap, didn't he? It reminded me of um, the end when um, Captain Hollister's asking for Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. And he basically takes the rap to protect Frankenstein. And I think he does the same here to protect the uh, Bob the Scutter. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Hollister says, he, he knows it's Bob the Scutter. He says, you know, he actually says outright, doesn't he? Asks yeah. him outright. Um, but yeah, Lister takes the rap and takes responsibility. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised that Rimmer doesn't actually drop Bob in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So anyway, for their punishment, they get put on spud duty. The next scene starts, and you've got the back. You've got them back in their um, bunk room scene. Rimmer's playing drafts on his own and obviously winning. <laughs> uh, Lister's laid on the bed, and he said, "Oh, this is really hard." And he's playing um, join the dots. Dots are dots. And basically, he's doing a bucket and spade. We get the bit here where he can't find the number. I know, you know, he turns around to Rimmer and says, I know what number it is, it's just finding it. Yeah. And then when you see it, it's such a basic drawing of a bucket <laughs> and a spade. Yeah. Um, and they've obviously took Lister back to the series one or two Red Dwarf yeah. stupidity. Yeah. You know, what's a book, what's an iguana, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I'm trying to weigh up, is he actually stupid or is he just? Is it just a wind-up for Rimmer? Yeah, possibly. I think the look on his face makes it look like he's actually taking a mickey out of Rimmer. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. He's got that smirky smile too, you know what I mean, as, as he yeah. does. I, th I, also, I think you're right. I think it is a wind-up. Yeah. I like it when they, uh, they're chatting about Kill Crazy and uh, why homes are uh, cheaper on the flight paths. Oh, the flight paths. Like, like, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the... the um, yeah, suggests that when you go to the bathroom, it's actually dropped out from the bottom of the plane. Hence why, yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah. That's why you can't flush your toilet when you're on the runway. Yeah. It's good starts, I think he says, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they've been given some rationed food, and it's it's real dirt, and they're the suffering with it, really. Bob the well, Lister says it's the uh, all the scientific experiments that's gone wrong, all the genetic experiments, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of gross. <laughs> Just while Rimmer's taking a mouthful, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only an idiot would eat this, and then he starts tucking in. <laughs> yeah. Bob the Scutter uh, pops in and drops off chicken vindaloo and some beer and some poppadoms for Lister, which he then tucks into. Yeah, well, he he rewards him with a spray of WD forty. 
And uh, something I'd noticed and Craig points out on the commentary is you can see it all dripping into his mouth as he's looking up at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can actually see this happen, can't you? I, I didn't know until it was mentioned, but yeah, you can't. You don't really notice it at first. I'd, until... I'd, I'd written it down and then listened to the commentary, so I had actually yeah. spotted this one. Yeah, okay. apparently as well, you can uh, you can see the operator's thumb. Um, okay. Not on the old TVs, <laughs> on a widescreen TV, you can see uh, the scutters, uh, Bob Scutters, um, the operator's thumb as he's waggling this headpiece through the uh, door hole. Okay. Um, I mean, I wasn't going to mention that because it is barely noticeable, and I think on some ratio TVs you don't see it at all. Right. Okay. One of the other things as well that I, I didn't know till I'd read the booklet. Yeah. Uh, one of the builders of these new scutters with the Knight Rider style eyes. Yeah. It's uh, it was Ron Hone. Okay. And um, he'd previously worked on Star Wars as well. He worked on the a, a radio controlled version of R two D two. Oh, sweet. Lister comes up with an idea because the, they're on Spud duties and, and really it doesn't sound that appealing. So he suggests that they get on, on the blower to Bob the Scutter and get some programmable viruses and have them programmed so they eat the potato skin. Lister then starts banging on the pipes, um, kind of doing Morse code, and he's trying to get in touch with Marge, his uh, wife. And uh, there's this long routine with all the tapping, and he's actually got the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually see Craig Charles struggling to keep a straight face throughout this gag. Yeah, all yeah. the tapping he's doing, and he keeps smirking, then wiping it from his face, and yeah, he's he's struggling. Um, and I don't know about you lot, but this whole scene just really reminded me of early Red Dwarf. You yeah, know, it yeah. was it was classic uh, Rimmer and Lister lines. There were funny lines, and um, yeah, it just. It was a, a welcome relief. We've not had this for a while, and I really enjoyed this for the whole scene. Yeah, agreed. The next scene starts, and there's a very good external of uh, Red Dwarf, and then you've got um, a prompt on the screen saying, Destination, SSS Manny Celeste, uh, locate... And then I can only suggest this is the mission, that the to locate the missing Canary Battalion. Radio contact lost at 4.53am. I was thinking, with them being the Canaries, aren't they just disposable? Which oh. is why you'd send another group of Canaries yeah. in. Yeah, but realistically, <laughs> if, you've lost, if you've lost a load of your Canaries, you wouldn't send another load in after them, would you? You'd be like, okay, fair game, I've lost them. Um, you might do. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> I would. Yeah. It's worth the risk. <laughs> yeah. I particularly liked here the um, the Maris Les that they were heading for. It was a very nice CG of um, a UFO. I recognised it from somewhere and I can't think where. I didn't look into the models. In fact, i tell you where, where I thought it looked like. You know in uh, Men in Black? Yeah. You know, know you know the ship oh. that the, the, the creaturey thing tries to escape in at the end? It looked yeah. very much like that, I thought. But that was that's a restaurant in in Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Right. <coughs> I don't know, it just looks similar to that, but I might be wrong. It looked it looked like a rotating restaurant. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts and Crichton suggests that the two battalions have gone missing. Yeah, this is on the actual Mary Celeste itself, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Sorry, it's not the Mary Celeste, it's the Manny Celeste. Manny Celeste, yeah. It's, um, yeah, this is shot on location at West Ferry Printers, which is in the Isle of Dogs in London. Okay. 
Um, it's all right. I could find very little information on this episode, so you've got everything. Right, lovely. <laughs> they walk into a room and they, they find one of the battalions and everybody's frozen. Well, you say everyone's frozen. You mean apart from the ones that are moving and those that are obviously blinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, I think they must... They must either think they're off camera or, you know, they've obviously made them stand still for such a long while they just can't, just can't refrain from blinking. Just wobbling a bit. Two or three <laughs> obvious blinks of the eye, but, you yeah. know, it's, it, you don't mind because it is just a cheap effect. Yeah, yeah. The rocking and backwards, rocking and backwards and forwards sort of is a bit off-putting though. Yeah, yeah. You, you, sort, of, you sort of sit there thinking, go on, move. <laughs> I mean, we have. They could have gone all out, and we've uh, we've had it in the past with um, real good split screen, haven't we? And yeah, you know, they could have frozen it and gone for the split screen effect. And um, I wouldn't say it took me out of the moment. I mean, it possibly a little bit funny. I, I, I don't mind either way. And perhaps they just thought it's just too much hassle to go to all that trouble, you know, just for a, a bit of body swaying and blinking. Yeah. Yeah. True. One of the people has got a device in his hand. It's a time one called Tempus, which is apparently Latin for time. Um, I don't know about you, but it looked like a sex toy to me. <laughs> what sort of sex toys do you use? Uh, the the time wand, um, yeah. the the mechanics that built it uh, actually made it uh, motorised. Okay. Um, centerpiece slides up and down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, which is, uh, it's deliberately supposed to bring to mind the centre console of the TARDIS. Right, okay. Um, however, in typical Red Dwarf fashion, you don't actually get to see that uh, in use in the episode. You At no point do you get to see it um, moving. Right, okay. So, which is a shame. Uh, nice prop for somebody who ever actually owns that piece. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also we get Holly in this scene as well. Yeah. Uh, now we'd said in Crytee TV how um, Norman Levette looked really tired, looked ill, looked hungover. Yeah. Uh, we'd also mentioned that his lines weren't funny. Yeah. Um, now, when I saw him come on screen, you know, internally I, I did an internal groan, um, but he just looked so much healthier than last time we saw him, and his lines were really funny, and um, it just seemed to be better writing and. You know, I wasn't expecting it, and you know that seemed to make it all the better because I wasn't expecting it after the last last couple of times we've seen him. Yeah, yeah, fair game. Crichton somehow knows exactly what it is straight away. <laughs> he always does. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, and starts fiddling with the buttons, and obviously knows exactly how to use it. He changes Kachansky and Cat into kids. Then he brings them back to normal time, but different parts of them. So the hairstyles are going to like a big afro. <laughs> well, first they turn into, it's almost a 70s disco style, but obviously this will be some sort of future, you know, uh, future past. A retro, yeah. a retro 70s look that must have occurred in their timeline. Yeah, yeah. Then, he, then the clothes change as well, don't they? Yeah. Um, to match the hairstyles, which. I mean that it, it's daft, it's silly, and it, it made me laugh again. Um, the young Kachansky uh, is played by the young actress uh, Holly Earl, okay, and she went on to be a regular in Casualty. Oh, okay, um, I'd tell you a bit more about it, but I've never really been. I've I stopped watching Casualty years ago. Right. Okay. Um, so, well, as you mentioned, uh, their hair changes, then the clothes change, and they come back to normal. Kachansky suggests that 
they could use it to make their prison term just totally fly by. So basically they would, in theory, they would speed up in time and everybody else would go at normal speed and literally in the blink of an eye, they, their two years can pass. Crichton suggests that he has an excellent place to conceal it. <laughs> the time one, that is. Um, now, but- I got worried when I first did that <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> so it looks like a sex toy and you're going to hide it somewhere. Um, <laughs> It's his recharge socket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then you see him walking down the corridor and he's got it under his head, which he looks like a cone head on it. It's it's a bit silly, but... The next scene starts and Lister and Rimmer are being marched to the spuds. As they're walking past, Bob goes past and gives them the virus. Then I was thinking, how, how, how did he program it? Yeah, because it's it's just in a little vial, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've seen how bad the scutters are. I mean, in um, was it Confidence and Paranoia? Where they were just trying to stick a needle in Lister and they were just totally messing that up. Never mind reprogramming <laughs> viruses. It was the thermometer, wasn't it? Yeah, it that's right. Out. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing as well, the guard, it's such an obvious... He just reaches across and takes it out of the scutters. Yeah. Uh, claw as he walks by. And... The guards don't see it. <laughs> I know, I know. It's probably the same way they didn't see the device under Crichton's head. <laughs> That's what you get for 12 quid an hour. <laughs> yeah. Found a day. There was... They went into the room where the spuds were, and I thought this was horrible, horrible CG. Basically, the, it looked like they just put a pile of spuds in front of a green screen and then shot them on the green screen. And it just looked horrible. The The lighting was wrong. It just looked all wrong. I think that's pretty much what they had done. Um, yeah. I personally didn't mind it because it's, 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 it's a way to show a cartoon-style mountain of spuds and it does look cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd, I could forgive it. I mean, <laughs> three weeks, you need three years to get through that lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree. I, I just think with you know the CG of um, like the alien spaceship and stuff like that earlier... I just thought this could have been... I don't know, I don't know. Just... I, think, I think the problem here was uh, the si- if, you, if you watch it, the size of the spuds are a bit larger than the average spud. Yeah. So I think the, what the, pile, the pile was too small and they tried to blow it up, which then also puts a bit of distortion in. Possibly, yeah. In everything. It's imagery-wise. I don't know if it's just because I do a lot of Photoshop work and stuff like that. Stuff like that stick out in my head. Yeah. It, it's just very apparent to me. But But anyway... So anyway, they throw this virus on there and it starts eating away at the spuds and then all of a sudden their clothes start getting eaten and the hair starts getting eaten and everything like that. And before we know it, they're both naked. I think the hair shot here when they start to lose it looked really good. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was looking for the joins. I was thinking, oh, well, obviously that's just like, um, you know, like something on the head to make them look bald. I'm sure they haven't <laughs> shaved the heads, but it did look very, very realistic. A lot of makeup are on there, I think, and yeah. the time spent, it looks. Yeah. It, well, it very effective, definitely. Yeah. The next scene starts, and again, they're being marched into Hollis's office, but this time naked, because obviously they're seen through all the clothes. Um, they still had eyebrows and they still had hair on the chest, so it wasn't that good at... Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm just picking up on <laughs> I think they mentioned that on the commentary, and I think it's Craig says he debated shaving his chest and then thought better of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair game. Um, shakes Hollister's hand, which then infects him, so you see his, 
his clothes start disappearing <laughs> and his hair start disappearing. The Which thing he, is, even though Holliston knows they've just put the virus on his hand, yeah. Right, instead of going and immediately trying to, you know, wash his hands, you know, irradiate his hand or whatever, yeah, um, he decides to run it through his hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He wipes it on his sleeve first. That's something he loves. Yeah, it's just like Muppet. <laughs> I do like the way uh, the previous scene and this one, the clo- as the clothes start to get eaten, yeah. the, um, the actors don't initially notice it. They'll do a line or two which has got a partially eaten sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Which somebody then points out. And it, it, I, I, I really like the way that, you know, the, um, you know, they take the time to actually do that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sat thinking, well, we ought to be able to see it eaten rather than a cut shot and suddenly there's another, yeah, yeah. you know, two-thirds of the outfit disappeared. Um, yeah, true. But there again, remember the spud scene? <laughs> if yeah. they're not going to spend much money on that, they're not going to do it on this either. The next scene starts and Crichton goes over the plan with Kachansky again. Basically, what they're going to do, just speed up time and, and away they go. Baxter picks on Cat and sticks his head in the vending machine and then crushes his fingers, which isn't very nice. <laughs> the thing is, he orders the... sticks his head in the vending machine then orders a uh, hot bovril. That's right, yeah. And if you keep your eye on Robert Llewellyn, uh, Robert Llewellyn also mouths the words hot bovril. <laughs> from <behind>. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a bit of corpse in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next scene starts and they're in the canteen. Crichton wants to get him back and he changes his food into a chicken. So I can only assume he was eating chicken. <laughs> Either that or eating eggs or well, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a chicken drumstick he's got in his hand, isn't it? Right, okay. Um, he then he obviously gets up and he's, he's going to... Well, they all when he gets up, everyone shuts up except for Cat who continues laughing. So then he comes to attack Cat again, don't he? Yeah, and then he, he freezes him in time. I mean, again, here, surely the guards would think, hang on, he's got some time device in his hand because he's just frozen yeah. that guy. <laughs> Let's take it off him. The next scene starts, and Rimmer and Lister get put in the box. Basically, it's, I'd say it was solitude, but it's not quite. It's solitude with three people, <laughs> if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, basically, it's just a, a big dark box, and that's where they're going to stay. Um, they go in there, and there's a there's a man in there called the Birdman and he's got his sparrow with him. He's his nine-year-old sparrow called Pete. Or oh, as you've wrote on the show notes, Bird Mad, which was quite appropriate, really, isn't it? <laughs> a um, little bit loopy, yeah, okay. Yeah, but he's, he's uh, played by Ian Masters. And okay. Got, uh, got quite a long IMDb listing. Obviously, he's an older actor. Yeah. Um, this is actually his second to last acting role. He he acted in a TV uh, TV miniseries the following year, and then uh, there's no other entries for him. So okay. um, yeah, one of his last roles. This one. Cool. In this, uh, the character he's playing, I've, it's like I've seen him before. Or like uh, I don't know if somebody in Little Britain had took the character as well. I did see Little Britain, but I, I couldn't find anything. Well, I looked, I, like I said, I looked down his IMDb listing and um, th- there's a quite, he's got a long listing, but not many shows that stand out in memory mm-hmm. um, th- that I could think of where I'd seen him. And I think the most prominent one was um, Terry in June. 
And I'm okay. guessing, Andy, that you can't remember Terry or June. I can no. only just remember it. Uh, well, it was a, it was a, it was a big, big classic seventies um, sitcom, and um, yeah, he appeared in that, and he's also appeared in a documentary about the program as himself. So, okay, um, unless you've caught some of them, I don't know. Uh, the character just reminded me of somebody, you know, another sitcom, oh. a totally different person. You know what I mean? Mate? I think I know Still who is. you're thinking of. Is it maybe um, Father Ted? It does look a bit like drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. I was thinking of another one, but I couldn't remember the name of it, so we'll, we'll pass on that one. Okay, no problem. Anyway, all of a sudden, there's a saw comes through the floor, and it's a scutter breaking them out. The next scene starts, and they bob down through the hole, and everybody's frozen apart from the normal crew and the birdmen. The rest of the crew are having a big meal in the cargo bay, and the, obviously they've used the time one to freeze everybody. I noticed something here. Uh, when they sat down eating at the table, somebody walks across the back and then stops as he sort of notices the cameras are on him and freezes at one of the crates. Okay. Yeah, I'd, just... I'd spotted that as well. It's um, It's obviously a mistake, and it's just as Lister... Um, says the line, he really loved that bird. Right, okay. And yeah. Basically, it's top left-hand corner of the screen. Like Andy says, somebody wanders into shot. And it's not just a split-second blinking you've missed it. It wanders into shot and then stands there for ages. <laughs> you know, and it's obviously a mistake because all the crew, everybody, you know, that isn't sat at that table is supposed to be frozen in time. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's somebody that's thinks they stood off camera or realises and just freezes and thinks oh, nobody notices or, <laughs> yeah. or what. But yeah, it's so obvious once it's uh, pointed out to you. And I, I know that this scene's going to be forever ruined by that one chap. <laughs> or chap S, you can't, it's too far away to tell. Yeah, can't tell. Another thing here is that they're in a hangar. Yeah. Uh, why is he light coming through the windows? And why is there windows in the hangar? You think the lights would be on the roof or inside? Possibly, but if they're going past some kind of star type thing, that might be where it's coming from. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit confusing. Kachansky explains a plan to the rest of them and says, right, yeah, a couple of seconds, uh, everything will be done. Crichton then hits the um, time wand and gives them their hair back, but I, unfortunately, Pete has died as they've been escaping, which I, I'm not quite sure why. I think I assume it's old age, you know. Yeah, but... Birdman's been in there nine years, and, you know, even if he'd met the bird halfway through that time, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, I'm guessing that's a good age for a sparrow. Yeah. This is where somebody writes in and says, no, they live to 60. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Crichton tries to bring back Pete with the time wand, but hits the wrong combination and turns it into a T-Rex. And then I was thinking, well, if he's turning into a T-Rex, then surely he can just hit a few buttons and turn it back into a dead sparrow again. Well, yeah, you'd have thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the, the T-Rex isn't too happy and actually eats the Birdman. Well, not before the T-Rex sneezes on um, 
the Birdman. Yeah, which is quite it's, disgusting. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of gross. Um, I think they say on the commentary that it, they mess up the first time, and so they had to dry him off and <laughs> kind of gross. <laughs> you can see the actor himself struggling to keep his mouth shut, so none of this uh, snotty residue goes into. But the his thing mouth. is, then he then has to say a line. Willie's got it all over his face, doesn't he? That's it. Yeah, and I'm just like, where he's, that's where he's struggling <laughs> to keep his mouth shut. Um, I mean, the glasses. He drops his glasses and. And if I remember rightly, I think Pete actually steps on him. Right. Um, but I know he's on his hands and knees looking for his glasses. And then when he stands up and Pete goes to eat him, the glasses are back on his face again. Oh, okay. So yeah. I've wrote on the notes here, like, we can only assume he's been to Spexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it comes up on the screen to be continued. Right, that's the episode review done. Next, the scores. For me, um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the time I watched it um, or what, but I only give it a 6 out of 10. I thought it was okay. I mean, I I really did laugh out loud at the wrong number gag. Um, I just thought that was very, very amusing. But overall, I only give it a 6 out of 10. Um, where you, Anthony, you've given it something a lot higher. Yeah, well, I've, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Mm. Um, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Okay. Um to me, it had a lot of classic Red Dwarf feel to it. Okay. Um, even though you've got the rest of the crew and other members there. Yeah. Um, you've got the bunk scenes, which really cracked me up, reminding me of classic Dwarf. Um, when they were called before Hollister, it reminded me a lot of um, the series one when Rimmer has to go and see Hollister. Um, you got the even the scene with Kachansky, Cat, and Crichton when they're on the Manny Celeste. Yeah, um, that reminded me of scenes, you know, like on DNA, you know, where they have to uh, enter Dalek yeah, ships yeah. and what have you. So yeah, it, it really, it, to me, it, it had an older feel to it. I think the writing was better. I think the lines were funnier. Yeah, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. The time flew by watching it. Okay. Um, I mean, I've already said I do think a lot of. What I think of these episodes depends on how tired and what sort of mood I'm in yeah, yeah. when I'm actually watching it. So whether I was just generally in a better mood, but no, the whole thing flew by. I loved it. I could have sat and watched it three times on the trot. I just really enjoyed the whole thing. Okay. And again, Andy, you've given it a very nice score. Yeah, I think it's my first 10 out of 10. Uh, for me, this episode, it had, it had me laughing all the way through. And I think it's the first time in this series, it's awesome. It's like we started that I've actually sat there and giggled. All the way through. Uh, the gags are well placed, and there's some quite good, funny events in there. Okay, yeah, I went ten out of ten. Well, there was well me with a six, Anthony with a nine, Andy with a ten. On the forum, it it's quite conflicted. There's a four from Parallel Universe who basically he gave a nice little write up on the forum, and he said he really didn't like it, which is fair enough. I mean, because Parallel Universe always gives a high score. I think he's always given. A minimum of seven, even when we've really hated an episode. Um, so this one really must have annoyed him. <laughs> um, and then there was an eight as well, uh, which gives um, a 74%, which is not bad at all uh, for a season eight episode. It's not bad for an episode that's been given a four and a six. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. exactly. Um, but I still think it was robbed. And I'm waiting <laughs> parallel universe for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. The next section is what's going down in Groovetown after a quick advertisement from our old friends over at Here Goes Nothing podcast. Good day to you. My name is Boz. 
I'm doing this promo to encourage you to listen to our podcast, Here Goes Nothing, now available on the Simply Syndicated 21st Century Media Network. Obviously, as you can tell from my voice, this show is extremely highbrow and only for the discerning listener. Story about like a <laughs> bowling green championship. Needless to say, I was covered in poo. <laughs> Paul's just run out, was run out of nightmares. Yes. <laughs> Creativity and I, and I, dry. And I can't get any weirder than squirrels. So. I tell you, I tell you what kids would not be interested in these days, or yeah. would rather, would be, would be rather funny to see today's kids on. Mm. Would be nightmare. Greetings, challengers, and from which kingdom do you hail? Our wheels from Swindon, isn't it? Here goes nothing. The show called Nothing that has a bit of everything. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we seem to have lost Casey. <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still here. Drowning in much. No, I said I was going to cut you off because you're making me hungry. <laughs> Find us at simplysyndicated.com forward slash shows forward slash here goes nothing. All right, dudes. What's going down in Groove Town then? Groove Town. Anthony, do you want to start? Yeah, I had um, I had a message sent back to me. I can't remember when this was. This was uh, last week, I think, or it, it might. I, I think it was just after the last episode came out. Okay. A couple of days after, and out of the blue, somebody I don't know um, sent me a message on Facebook. Okay. Um, like I said, I don't know how they found my account, how they knew who I was. Uh, but basically, it just read, just a quick thank you for your hard work with Scuttercast. It is very much appreciated. Like yourself, I work alone and the podcast helps me through the day with a good laugh. Uh, thanks again. Regards, Dom. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say thank you, Dom. We, you know, we don't get a lot of email. And it's it's always nice to get feedback to say that, you know... Um, thanks and what have you, especially when somebody's gone to the trouble to find you like this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really appreciated, Dom. Thanks for the uh, email. Um, other people may think we've blown his own trumpet, but um, it's not very often we get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you I, go. I can only assume he went through the um, Fiction Shed Facebook site, and I think there's only like 30 likes on there, and there's only one Anthony, so... Sorry, I just yeah. told everybody else how to get to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think possibly on my profile, um, I think I might mention it on there as well. So yeah, yeah, just to confirm that yes, it is me. <laughs> Currently, the person that looks like Darth Vader. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but we'll discuss that later. <laughs> just a little bit of our forum news. I got my butt into gear and put the arcade back on the forum. Um, I've only started off with a limited amount of games. Because I I think last time it got oversaturated and there was just so many games and nobody really played them and everything. Obviously, Madame Flibble is already dominating and I think she's got all the high scores already. Too We're, much time on her hands. I know, I know. <laughs> the thing is, I, I set it all up, so I, I obviously got the first play on them all. So I had to quickly test them all and make sure that the scores worked and it saved. So I was just having like a 30-second go on each one of them. Monday morning, by half past eight, I'd got four emails through saying, your high score's been beaten. <laughs> I'm like, <"Yeah." laughs> don't you do any work? <laughs> you know, um, 
do you still have to be on the in the Pirates Park? No, I've opened it up to everybody. So the arcade is open to anybody that's registered. You do need to be registered, yeah. Yeah, so if you register and you're on zero posts, you can still play the arcade. You certainly can. Uh, in fact, my other half's on the forum now uh, doing all the dinner dash ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> all those time management ones. And yeah, so uh, nice to have a bit of competition on there again. Can we bring a new rule in? If you don't make 10 posts a day, you're banned. <laughs> um, Your high scores get wiped. <laughs> there is an option in there, so you've got to make X amount of posts before you can no, go on there. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'll remove that rule. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Have you put that in? No, 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 no. Yeah. Just for you. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be happy if you just scrub Madam Flibbles. <laughs> well, I keep wiping her scores out, but you know. <laughs> Um, you've just got something there was a little bit of news on Twitter yeah we've had there's not really been any new news as regards the new series it's it's gone quiet which is what we expected yeah uh, personally I don't think we're going to hear anything until Dimension uh, Jump Dimension Jump yeah um, the only thing we've had which uh, was on the 11th of February uh, was a tweet from Doug um, which basically read, one of the dwarfers has a big meeting today. Can you guess which one and with whom? Um, now, my only guess is that it's uh, it's Craig Charles going in to see the people at Coronation Street about some time off at the end of this year. Yeah, uh, that was my assumption it, as well. I can't think what else it can be. Uh, I did wonder if it might be uh, Robert Llewellyn having to... Um, explain the contents of his blog you know i jokingly posted that on the official uh, forum um but i think that's already been undone there's a message uh, i noticed from doug saying no it's not robert you know yeah seeing the red dwarf execs or whatever yeah so uh no i'd I'd, that's the only thing i can think it's um it's, it's a bit of a teaser to the fans yeah sure we mentioned dimension jump i mean that's that's nearly upon us um, we do keep getting asked on the forum and by Twitter and that if we are going ourselves. I'm personally not this time. Um, when it was last year, I um, I booked my hotel, I booked my tickets, I booked everything. Uh, unfortunately, the way it's fallen this year, I can't make it. Um, which is it's a pity, but I'll be wet. The place where I'm going, I'm sure I'll be glued to Twitter and just watching for any updates like last time. Um, I don't think you can make it either, Anthony, can you? No, um, it, it's, it all comes down to cost. With yeah. me. It was an expensive weekend, which I don't mind forking out for. Um, unfortunately, Amanda does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I'm kind of hoping she changes her mind and, you know, last minute we'll uh, be able to get all the tickets, but I, I can't see it happening this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe next year. It's... Um, which is a shame because I mean it was it wasn't it wasn't last year it was a year before when that's the last right one yeah was. yeah um, but now there's there's plans for uh, a bit of a meet up with some um, possibly in July with some of the uh, simply syndicated forum members so mm-hmm. um, it looks like being that way and uh, you know it, <clears throat> ah, if we come into a bit of cash it might be available Manda might change her mind and let us go but i can't see it happening yeah yeah understood oh i wanted to put something out there to the people listening uh, i know i've mentioned this on the forum um obviously we're on episode 50 now or well yeah we're on episode 50 now we've got Pete part two and we've got only the good to go 
After that, we've got Back to Earth Part 1, 2, and 3, which gives us basically 55 episodes in total. I am still undecided on whether Back to Earth was classed as a special episode, or is that officially classed now as Season 9? Sorry, Series 9, we're in the UK. Um, I still don't think that's decided. Um, My belief is that it's uh, special, and the next series could well be called Series 9. Or... <laughs> or they might call it series ten and class that as nine. It's it's still undecided. Nobody knows yet with that one. Right. Okay. It's just that obviously, where I've got all the episodes posted, I've got them posted in categories. So you've got the Scutter cast, and then you've got series one through to eight. And I need to know whether to create series nine or we've already got a a back to earth special category. And it's it's just really deciding what to do with that. I'd just just call it back to earth I would just in case. Yeah, I suppose I can always change it later. Yeah. I mean, I have I did read somewhere online and I can't remember for the life of me where I read it mm. that um the plans are that it might have been on uh, Robert Llewellyn's blog actually. Mm. Um uh, I'm sure I've read somewhere that the plan is that this will take place at the end of series eight and will occur before back to earth. Oh, okay. Um, now me personally, I don't think they will do that. I think that's got to be wrong if it has come from an official source. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, the thing for me that back to earth did was set it all up for yeah. 10 years later on. This is where we are. Um, you don't need to know yeah, what happened at the end of eight. Yeah. You know, there's, there's that cut scene, that most people have seen now, they could maybe insert it at the beginning of the next one just to show um, them leaving in a shuttle, waving goodbye to the, you know, sorry, that every, all the crew leaving in the shuttle, the escape pods, and then waving goodbye and leaving in Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, they, they could insert that at the beginning and then cut to nine years later and set it after Back to Earth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's a mistake. I can't remember where I've read it and, you know... It, can't be true surely okay welcome to the parrot's bar the place you can drink a curry flavored tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out parrot's bar well for me i've um i played a little bit more minecraft uh with andy surprise yep. yeah i know <laughs> um we've we moved well we mess around with the servers because um lag issues we moved it to andy's house now but we're having connection issues now so we're waiting for nick to get his internet upgraded so we can run the server at his house so we can all play happily again so i haven't played for a couple of days well nearly a week and a half i think yeah been a few, it's actually been a few days since i've actually sat down with it yeah so um it's System seems, well, not a system struggling, but the net, net struggling to the point where two people can't go on at once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's no good. Um, so Nick's gone out and got the uh, BT Infinity, which is silly upload and silly download speed, just so we can all play Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like my server since um, Talk Talk took over Tiscali. Okay. Um, I've got... Uh, remember me saying to you that my internet seems to stay connected for... Um, three minutes then goes offline for three minutes then comes on for three yeah, minutes yeah. and what it is it's when something's downloading so um, sometimes it's okay uh, but most of the time if I've got um, if I've got my use, uh, uTorrent working 
and I try and download um, podcasts at three at a time. Yeah. Um, it stays online. You can actually see it on uTorrent. You can see your activity bar. And it's uh, it, it's the definite pattern of um, two minutes up, you know, downloading. Then it drops down to no activity for two minutes. Then it goes up for two minutes. and it's down for two minutes. And what it does, I think activity gets that low um, that my modem just disconnects from the internet or the server disconnects and then okay. reconnects. And what I'm getting is um, two minutes of slow internet, then two minutes where it's... It, disconnects and then tries to reconnect and it just lasts like i say just a couple of minutes oh, wow. um if i if i knock my podcast downloads down to one at a time that sometimes sorts it or right. sometimes on utorrent i've got to uh, pause my downloads to get done what i want to do online and like i say a bit later it comes back again hmm. and i mean before we record these i make sure i disconnect utorrent i disconnect um just everything, every program that I don't need running, I disconnect in the hope that we can keep connected to each other. And it's worked all right so far. Yeah, so far so good. Um, better than the early days where you used to drop offline like every 30 seconds. Yeah, it was <clears throat> 9 o'clock every Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried uh, regulating the upload speed or the download speed on your torrents? I've, I've only got it on moderate and I don't want to slow it down anymore. Like I say, sometimes it works fine. It's just, um, you know, if there's like two or three torrents start downloading and then I'm doing my podcasts as well, it, it uh, just seems to freeze it up. And then every now and then I'll get it where there's absolutely nothing downloading, but it still starts farting about, but it's not doing that as much now. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to have to look at changing servers. Talk, talk of uh, they changed the system and it, since they changed onto their system from the Tiscali one, it's just gone so downhill. Hmm. Um so if anybody's thinking about changing servers, just scrub Talk Talk off. Don't give them a go, <laughs> unless Talk Talk are willing to get me have internet for free. In which case, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. So due to the Minecraft issues, we've um, well, I've been playing StarCraft Two. I, I bought it round about release day, and I've just never got round to playing it. Um, but what an amazing game! It's um, it's a real time strategy, so it's. Um, build bases, build resources, go and attack things. So yeah, ju- as far as the game's concerned itself, it, it is just another RTS, but a very well done RTS. It's just the bits in between. You've got little bits of story, you've got some, in, in the normal Blizzard fashion, you've got some very good full motion video. And it's just the interaction. It's very like, um, for me, it was very like Mass Effect, where in between missions you go around, you talk to people, and you just feel so so in this environment. Um, before you know it, you can, you can lose a day in it. It's brilliant. I mean, there's even a little thing where in, in the canteen, you can go around and talk to loads of people. There's an arcade machine over in the corner, and you can go fire into that, and it's just um, like a, an upward scroller shoot 'em up And it's again, it's just absolutely brilliant. I, I wish I'd have played it earlier. I think it's definitely a Blizzard. You can tell it's a Blizzard game, can't you? Yeah. It, dra- it draws you in, if, yeah. if you know what I mean. The amount of uh, different things you can do with yourself, build your stats up and all that. It's yeah, it's time's been spent. Uh, did it take them fifteen years to do this? Um, ten, was it ten years? I think it was ten years. Set? Yeah, I think it's about ten years since StarCraft One was out. But I mean, StarCraft and, One had a community for those full ten years until it jumped to StarCraft Two. Well, it is actually classed as a Korean national sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Which that, that says a hell of a lot, doesn't it? it is, I mean, you can see why they spent ten years doing 
you know the upgrades and everything to it. Yeah. And the other side to it, it's free server. It's not like Warcraft, another Blizzard thing where absolutely you don't, yeah. It's you pay, not you pay monthly fee, don't you? So. Yeah, outstanding. I mean, if people like our real-time strategy games and haven't yet played StarCraft to play it, it's absolutely amazing. Apart from that, caught up on a little bit of TV. I've started watching the Outcasts, the um, UK drama can i think it's done by the same people who did spooks and uh, ashes to ashes if i remember rightly um part three was on last night uh, we're recording this on tuesday because of valentine's day yesterday and part four's on tonight so it's been shown over four weeks uh, and then two episodes a week i believe um so far so good i wish it'd speed up a little bit but it's it's yeah so how is it is it a is it a cops thing or no? It's um, it's sci-fi. We're on episode three, and you still don't know why. But all these ships have left Earth for some reason. Oh yes, now I did actually. I didn't know this was on. Yeah, I think it was on episode two or uh, no. I think I saw the first one, but it was like on the last five minutes. So right. I've not okay. Watched it. Yeah. Um, but I, the following night, I flicked it on, and it, it didn't seem to be much happening. And so, and because I've not heard much about it on the internet, I gave it a, a, a gave it a miss. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't go looking for, you know, catching up on the old episodes. Um, I mean, last night stuff happened. Uh, the first two episodes were very much character building. Um, last night's episode, it was, um, it was its own independent episode with not too much backstory, but it did. Yeah, it knocked it up a notch. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the Skybox now. It's just kicked in with a record, so it's recording tonight's episode now. But yeah, not bad. I think it's got potential. They just need to speed it up. But, I mean, if it's anything like Ashes to Ashes, the last couple of episodes will just be so fast-paced. The only trouble with doing it that way is, like I said, you know, because I've not heard any hype about it online. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's the last couple of episodes where it notches it up and everybody starts talking about it, you've mm. missed it by then, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Thank God for torrents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this one will be on um, iPlayer as well, I think. Yeah. So you can do it yeah. the legit way. It's quite nice on Saturday, so I was out and I tasked myself with... Um, <laughs> Sorry, you trimmed your bush. Tell everybody you trimmed your bush. <laughs> I trimmed my bush. Well, this time last year, we've got a couple of trees in the back garden, and during summer, I actually lose maybe an hour or two's worth of light from the garden because these are so high. So I thought, right, I'm not going to spend 400 quid like I did last year. So I thought. See, so you're going to be extra pink this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,. <coughs> Well, basically, I went to B&Q, got one of these pruning saws, and I thought, right, that'll do it. And it took me the majority of Saturday. Um, I was I was climbing up this tree. I was hanging from branches. I had tow ropes <laughs> tied around the branches to make sure they didn't fall in the neighbor's garden, sawing these things off. Uh, I'm just scratched and bruised everywhere. I still ache. But, yeah, I cut this thing down. I cut a good, like, eight foot off this tree. And I thought, right, well, I'll do it the manly way, and I'll buy one of these incinerators, you know, the... Well, basically the bins with the chimney on. Yeah. So I'm throwing all this um, this freshly cut tree in there. It's green waste, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I did not win Neighbour of the Month award. <laughs> there was just so much smoke. It was just bellowing out. And I was running this for about seven hours. I just kept topping it up. In the end, we ended up just filling the Vector up seven times and taking it down in the skip because it just wasn't burning. Well, I, saw, I saw Christine's uh, Facebook um, comments about it and... 
you'd roped her into helping you. Yep. And she didn't sound impressed. Nope. <laughs> well, with what she wrote on Facebook, she didn't seem to be impressed. <laughs> no. I mean, even for like two days afterwards, both cats stung a smoke and they were like, oops. <laughs> but we got it done and I saved myself 400 quid. So. I think if I'd got cats, I'd have tried to chuck them on as well. <laughs> Yeah. Um and just finally, um I'm I'm really proud of myself. I've still not had a drink this year. Which no. compared to how much I normally drink, that's really good. I'm sure I'm gonna crack at some point and I'm just gonna have such a binge. <laughs> well, I, I have I have been drinking. I, I drank I drank wine this weekend. What? <laughs> yeah, I was drinking red wine. Was this but- because of the um problems that you have when you have uh, <laughs> when you have spirits? <laughs> um, no, I just fancied it. I, every now and then I like to buy um, some um, overpriced cheese um, and have a couple of glasses of red wine. problem okay. we've got is we normally do a shopping on a Sunday. Yeah, okay. And I look and I think, oh, I just fancy some cheese and some wine. But yeah. if I open the bottle, I've got to drink it all and I've got work tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah. It just so happens we went uh, shopping on the Saturday, so... Um, okay. Yeah, it was it was a weekend drinking some nice red wine and, for and some beers. <laughs> for a change, your kid didn't go to bed scared. <laughs> no, In they full waterproofs. They won't look dry. <laughs> That's drinking again, get the umbrellas out. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was reading one of the local papers as well this weekend around it to father-in-laws. Yeah. Uh, the local Hucknall and Bulwell Dispatch. Sounds fantastic. One of the real small-time local papers. Yeah. And apparently Bulwell is uh, where we live is in the top 2% for um, crime rates in the whole of the UK. Really? Yeah, towns <coughs> towns um, with the highest crime rate, we are in the top 2%. And my first thoughts were, that's a surprise, top 2%. And then I thought, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, it uh, shows the sort of hole we're living in. But that year honest- on about, I wasn't... I wasn't neighbour of the month and I bought one of the bins so I wasn't in rope so he wasn't chucking the uh, yeah. branches into next door's garden. We chuck everything in next door's garden. <laughs> they chuck it back. It belongs to whoever's got it on their floor. <laughs> Understood. So, yeah. Um, I don't think there's hotels to say. Okay. <clears throat> Apart from the fact that I've, I've had to give in to old age. Ah, yes. you You've had... <laughs> You turned the Darth Vader. Um, the, the pictures are on the website. Um, basically, um, I've noticed my hair's been getting thin for quite a while. Yeah. On top. And um, I used to have it. I used to have it in like a mohawk style, and then it got a bit thin in the middle, and so I kept the mohawk but grew it wider and yeah. brushed it to the middle. It was like a spiky style, you know, brushed to the middle, and I quite like that style. Um, Anyway, it's got too thin for that. There's no way I can spike it. And this last sort of 12 months, I've let it grow a bit, basically because it's the last chance I've got to have here. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think <laughs> the realisation that I'd got to let it go came when Amanda said to me last week, you know, from the back, you look like a monk. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it was like, oh, I think she said that on the Wednesday and on the Friday night. I said, right, shave it off. So, yeah, no guard, shaved all my ear off and I've gone to being a baldy. Not no. the first time I've done it but in the past it's been by choice this was a bit more of a necessity. Understood. <laughs> it's better to be bold than balding apparently. 
Yeah. Um, I've posted pictures on the uh, forum, on Red Dwarf forum, um, and no doubt I'll stick them in the show notes as well, seeing as we've mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I've got photos of the bold patch, photos before, photos after. And I've got a photo that Jacob, you may know, from the Nerd Hurdles podcast. Mm. And um, I posted the pictures up on the um, Simply Syndicator forum. And within about five minutes, ten minutes, he posted up a picture that he'd done himself, of, uh, that he'd photoshopped of me with my bald head. Um, basically, the um, Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, when he removes the helmet... Yeah. Uh, Jacob stuck my head in the helmet, uh, <laughs> made the skin more of a greyish colour, he's made the eyes more purpley and, uh, I mean, they look tired anyway, but even more tired. And he's come up with a really effective um, Darth Stud Farm picture. Yeah. <laughs> so I liked it that much. I went and uh, I've posted it as my uh, Facebook profile picture. Yeah, it does look I mean, really, really good. It is. I had to laugh. Like I say, he did it in about five minutes as well. Yeah. And I got to laugh because I sent him uh, I sent him a message saying, oh, I love that picture. Do you mind sending it to me? You know, he sent me the picture, says, here you go, no problem, blah, 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 glad you like it. I then sent him a message back saying, just thinking about it, I could have just uploaded it off the uh, website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to say. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the... the it's worth checking out just for the uh, Darth Stud farm picture he did. Yeah. Which, uh, it did bring a smile to my face. Yeah. Um, certainly made it a bit easier losing all my hair. <laughs> yeah. This week's podcast of the week is Science Weekly. Um, over to Andy to give us a little bit more information. Yeah, Science Weekly. Uh, I've been listening to this for a while. Uh, I don't listen to it constant because there's a few topics that I'm not particularly interested in. It's quite an intellectual podcast. Uh, it's hosted by Alak Ajar. He's a, he's actually a columnist for the Guardian newspaper, and it's actually a Guardian podcast. Okay. Uh, it won the Physics.org Web Awards, which is going to be quite substantial in in the science community sort of thing. Okay. Uh, they cover everything. Uh, if you if you're remotely if you're remotely interested in science, I would suggest. Just listen to a few of them. They always have guests on. The guests are always scientists with a head of their own fields, as it is. Uh, they've done stuff on uh, organic electronics, which is was quite interesting. Okay. Uh, consequences, the consequence of climate change, uh, decisions why they built the Hydron Collider. You know, the larger one yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in France and Sweden. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very interesting. A very interesting podcast. And if you've got, like, say, any remote interest in science, definitely, definitely. Uh, the astronomy ones. That's the ones I normally listen to. Okay. Some of the stuff and some of the stuff they talk about, some of the stuff, the developments of the science in in that area. Oh, it, yeah, it's an eye. It is a very big eye opener. So yeah, I really recommend it. Uh, Excellent. How long's how long's an episode roughly? Uh, they can range from an hour to half an hour. There's a. Okay. It's it's a bit all over the place. I mean, uh, I think the last one I listened to was an hour. The one before that was half an hour. The one before that was like thirty-eight minutes. Okay. It's, it's a bit, but yeah. I guess it depends how much has happened in that week. <laughs> yeah, it well, it's the, it's not like on a week, like a weekly science basis. It's it's more of like the guests to get in. Right. Okay. And like I said, the guests that are like the highest standard of their field, and they explain it, and they they sort of explain it in a layman's term, but put an edge to it to make you think, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't realise how advanced we was in, in them fields. Right, I mean, okay. there's stuff, stuff on cancers, there's stuff on 
and supercomputers, you know, wi- a wide range of uh, of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. Science Weekly. If you, it's a www.guardian.co.uk forward slash science forward slash series forward slash science again. Okay. If you, is it, is, if you go to the Guardian website, it's there. Excellent. Is that on iTunes as well? It's on iTunes. It's on, uh, yeah, iTunes. And they've got a Twitter feed and a Facebook page. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this week. If you want to come join us on the forum and try and knock Madame Flibble off the top, it's reddwarforum.com. And as I said, that's open to any registered user now. So just come along. You don't even have to post. You can just... Please knock her off the top. She's getting too smug up there. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash red dwarf forum. If you want to send us an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. And finally, if you want to find us on Facebook and find Anthony's pictures, um, (laughs) it's facebook.com forward slash fiction shed. And you'll be able to find us on there. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with Pete Part 2. So until then, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.